Hi everyone, I'm David Blendauer, and welcome to Conversation with a Manager, stories from the front line. This podcast is dedicated to the proposition that managers, particularly frontline managers, are key to an organization's success. This podcast is also in search of the best advice and counsel from experienced managers for anyone who's new to the role of manager. Today's guest is Lawrence Henderson. Lawrence is the founder of his own business, Business Operations Support Services, otherwise referred to as BOSS. He is also a faculty member at Morehouse College in Atlanta. Prior to these experiences, Lawrence spent several years in the armed forces as an army officer where he managed and led men and women in various military capacities. Here to talk about his conversation with Lawrence is today's host, Steve King. Hey, Steve. Hey, David. So tell us about your conversation with Lawrence. Yeah, so I met Lawrence a few years ago in his capacity as a faculty member at Morehouse College. For the last decade, I've had the privilege to speak at Morehouse each semester, and it's always one of the highlights of my spring and fall. My conversation with Lawrence was rangy and included such topics as the difficulty of gaining back trust once it's lost, the role effort plays in the performance of team members, and dealing with someone whose resume may have overinflated their actual capabilities. These are all great topics, but our commitment to keeping these episodes bite-sized means that we'll set aside those topics for another time and focus our attention here on Lawrence's thoughts on the limits of command and control style management. In this segment, you'll meet two characters, Captain Henderson and Coach Henderson, representing two approaches to handling the age-old management problem, finger pointing. So sit back and enjoy this segment with Lawrence. One of the biggest challenges uh, that I still to this day uh, have a challenge with is someone who points the finger at everybody else when they don't complete a task. And the reason why that's a challenge for me is I am a a very values heavy uh, manager and leader and believe in integrity and all the rest of these things. And I believe in the back of my, back of my mind that everybody should know how to raise their hand and say, I messed up. And if that isn't present for me, I begin to formulate opinions and biases about a person uh, and their ability to uh, be a human being if they don't immediately sign themselves up for taking ownership uh, of something. And and again, and as you heard me say, the connection point I make, I immediately get super dramatic that somehow, some way, this person has a value problem, uh, which, which is uh, used to be a non-negotiable in me dealing with you future kind of future state. So if I came to work for you and you saw me starting to point the finger over there and point the finger over there and not taking any accountability for my actions instead of pushing it off on someone else, how would you deal? So I'm gonna give you a two-parter. Captain Henderson would light would light you up. And <laughs> he would read you the riot act. Of, of how wrong you are. And basically, probably more than not, he would unholster his command hand and start pointing at you while he was talking um, and probably be this most the most aggressive being you probably encountered in your life. Today, Coach Lawrence Henderson will ask a curious question. Steve, what makes you believe Lawrence is a part of this scenario? And the reason why I believe 
to coach Lawrence today is the more effective person is because what I'm trying to get this person ultimately to do is to own their part. And that's being curious and that's through asking questions. And it's peeling back and basically pulling from them the data points or the things that they're making true about this situation, which I believe a lot of times when people begin to point the finger, they're feeling inadequate. They're feeling like, you know what, I got found out. And most most people have to navigate uh, through imposter syndrome. And so for some people, there are some people who really, it's they get hung up when they don't feel like they're already enough in a role in a position. So the quickest way is just to blame somebody else. I didn't have what I needed or Lawrence didn't give me what I needed. David didn't give me what I needed. And so it's their fault. That's why I couldn't complete the task. And so I begin to disarm them uh, and, and, and kind of coach them up to, to take accountability and, and kind of move them forward. Can you, for the benefit of all the listeners, can you uh, define imposter syndrome for them? Yeah. So imposter syndrome is this, I kind of this self-esteem kind of gremlin uh, and that we have in our heads that may be new to role, new to an organization. And you start to tell yourself that, you know what, God, I'm going to get found out. They're going to figure out that I'm really, I'm really not qualified for this position. I'm really not. Co- and, but it's, again, it's the story that we tell ourselves that we put on a uh, repeat um, and, and you may, depending, it may be in a relationship, maybe at work personally, professionally. Um, and so you find yourself as an imposter in, in a situation. Uh, there's this old phrase that we're probably all familiar with is, uh, fake it till you make it. Um, and so for some people that can become a very visceral response, uh, is that imposter and you don't feel like enough. So you lack confidence, esteem and some other things. So when you encounter the finger pointers, and it, by the way, it didn't did strike me that when you said, you know, you know, Captain Henderson would have been finger pointing himself right at that point. But when you, when you're with your coach Henderson and you experience that finger pointer, uh, how long do you think it's going to take someone to kind of get over that hump and go, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm being a little insecure here. Or I'm feeling like, like uncomfortable. Thank you for helping me get past that point. What would, what, What's, what do you, is that like an instant thing for some and a real long effort for others? Or what do you, what do you find? I believe it's an intentional effort to, to transition into the one type of manager over another. Uh, the default button for Captain Henderson was really easy because it came back to a foundational thing of back to accountability. It was like, Hey, if it's your job to do, it's your job to do. Don't point at anybody else. And so that I was coming from that very aggressive place. It was yours. Own it. No, no discussion here. And that, that was literally how I used to address it. It was yours to own. You didn't own it. Okay, boom. That's all we're moving forward with. Whereas now coach me, I now need to understand where the gap existed in this process, right? The, the fact of the matter is, hey, let's all, let's all own. It didn't get done. Help me understand what we miss. And so that, again, that curious leader, not the confrontational leader, I believe keeps people present and keeps the main thing, the main thing. Love that. Love mm-hmm. curious, not confrontational. Love that. Uh, and does the Captain Henderson ever pop up occasionally in a, nowadays? He does. He yeah. does from time to time. And so I have to, uh, it's a conscious effort to uh, make sure that he doesn't ruin conversations and relationships. 
Uh, and so I always, always write myself a little note, particularly if I know I'm walking into a content, potentially contentious conversation. Uh, I write myself this acronym that I use with other coaches. It's WAIT, W-A-I-T. Why am I talking? This helps ground me before I open my mouth because I want every word that comes out of my face to be for a purpose on purpose. What I love about the way you told the story, though, is I, I love the fact that you're really saying you used to deal with the symptom and now you're dealing with the root cause. And I Here think that's, that's, that's a simple way of all of us going, you know what, as good managers, sometimes, I guess in certain moments, we're going to have to deal with the symptom in that moment. But we better get back sooner or later to that root cause. What's really causing someone to feel so insecure that they're going to have to point the finger? Great. Mm -hmm. It's a great observation. This podcast is supported by NRECA, the National Trade Association representing America's electric cooperatives. NRECA's broad range of products and services include a robust portfolio of leadership programs that provide learners with the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to lead at all levels of their co-op and succeed in today's rapidly changing electric utility industry. Visit cooperative.com learning to explore the value of learning with NRECA. Hi, everybody. We're back. And uh, for our debrief of Lawrence's segment with us, I've decided to invite a guest to the conversation. Uh, and that guest is uh, Jennifer Wilson. She is the author of Waking Up to Your Worth, 10 Touchstones for Overcoming Imposter Syndrome. And as Lawrence mentioned in his segment, sometimes when we see people doing a little finger pointing, um, you know, we think that maybe part of it might have to do with some sense of them feeling like an imposter and being caught. So I thought maybe we'd just go to an expert here on the whole topic. And that's what we've invited Jen. So hi, Jen. Hi, Steve. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's, it's really nice of you to join us. So you listened to what Lawrence had to say. And um, I wonder if you could maybe expand a little bit on the definition of imposter syndrome and then offer your thoughts on how something like this might contribute to someone uh, displaying finger-pointing behaviors. Sure. Uh, so the term imposter syndrome was created back in the 70s by Colleen Clance and Suzanne Imes. And they noticed this phenomenon where very accomplished people didn't feel that they earned the place that they found themselves in. So basically, it's the belief that you don't deserve or haven't rightly earned your success, despite the abundance of external evidence of your accomplishments and success. So definition. Uh, that's the definition. Um and so how pronounced an issue is it that you find in your consulting business? You know, it used to be that this was first studied in women and was thought to pre predominantly affect women. But now research shows that it affects people across the gender spectrum, across race, across class, across industry. So it is fairly prevalent. You know, there's a lot of estimates out there that it can affect anywhere between 50 and 70 percent of people at some time. So I have run into people who have said, imposter syndrome, what's that? And they've never experienced it a day in their life. And other people are really in their grip. So, so Lawrence connected the dot. He basically said, maybe this imposter syndrome creates a dynamic which people feel like finger pointing. Do, do you see it the same way? Do you see that connection? I think it can be one of the connections for sure. So if I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, in any day, they're going to find out that I don't belong on this team. I might 
feel fearful. So I think finger pointing, no matter what the what the cause, if we dig deep enough, it comes down to the same root cause, which is fear. So mm-hmm. one of the ways of being fearful is imposter syndrome. And that might lead you to try to deflect the attention and or the blame onto someone else to preserve your your safety, basically, in, in the role that you have. So do you want to offer maybe some additional reasons for fear besides imposter syndrome? Sure. It might be external. So for example, I say that imposter syndrome is created on the outside and healed from the inside, reading nobody's bored with imposter syndrome. And it's not the fault of the person who has it that they developed it. It's really created by circumstances. And that can be from experiencing bullying or harsh people in their lives to racism, sexism. Um, So other root causes of that fear might be a work environment that is overly competitive and that rewards individual success over team success. It might be having a harsh manager who is punitive for mistakes or there's consequences to pay, or actually somebody just might be a true narcissist and really not believe that they did anything wrong. So that's not a fear response. That is that is a personality response. Uh, so there could right. be multiple reasons for finger pointing. So what I would love about, one of the things I love about his segment is he made this distinction between Coach Henderson and Captain Henderson. And I wonder if you can kind of comment on the Coach Henderson side. I know you do a great deal of coaching of individuals. I wonder if you could offer an example of where maybe perhaps you've coached someone towards creating accountability for themselves in light of the fact they may struggle to take that ownership. Absolutely. I I thought Lawrence did a, a beautiful job of describing the difference between Captain and Coach Henderson. Uh, so when working with somebody who may be engaged in that kind of finger pointing there, uh, a tool I find really helpful, it comes from the manufacturing and patient safety world. It's called the three W's. And it, it kind of provides uh, managers who might be a little hesitant about how do I talk with somebody about this in a way that that doesn't upset them or make me seem like a jerk. Um, so I think it's a, it's an elegant framework. So it's the three W's are what I see what I'm concerned about and what I want. So for example, uh, if I were coaching you, if you didn't get a report in on time, I might say something like, hey, Steve, you know, I noticed in our meeting that you said you didn't get your report in on time because marketing didn't get you the data, even though marketing did get you the data at the agreed upon deadline there. So what concerns me with that is that Passing blame sets a really poor tone in our teams, and we have a value about taking responsibility and being the team, and it's not in line with our values. And what I want is for you to step up, acknowledge that you didn't get it done on time, so we can talk about what might help you get it done on time in the future, prevent future late reports. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. Can you tell me what was going on for you in that moment? So it, when that when that goes down well, when the three W's goes down well, the the result is what? what? What do you see when it goes down well? So I think starting out, you know, as a manager, I think we have to be really careful to avoid the fundamental attribution error, which is when I get a report in late, it's because of these external circumstances that are beyond my control, including someone else maybe. And uh, when you don't get your report in on time, it's because of your personality or your character. So... You just must be an inconsiderate person. You don't care about the team. So kind of have to avoid going making that error. And I think Lawrence did a great job of pointing that out. That's something Captain Henderson would do. He would question their value as a human being. And so uh, when we approach someone in this way, where we're described with behavior 
share a concern and invite the person to engage with us. Uh, nine times out of 10, that does go quite well because I think showing curiosity and being open with a person allows them to feel safer. And without that sense of, you know, it's safe to admit errors, then why would I? Right. All right. So since you brought up the word curiosity and he, he talked about the curious manager himself, uh, do you, it's clear that he believes that curious managers are more effective managers. Uh, the inference here is that curiosity is just like a, a key standard for good coaches. Uh, do you agree? A hundred percent, a thousand percent. So like, I like to say a coach without curiosity is like a swimmer without water. You just cannot get anywhere. And you know, coaches are in the business of learning and curiosity allows us to be open to what we don't know yet. And even when we think we know, we don't know. And it's the opposite of certainty. So you know, it feels good to feel like we know things and to be right. So we often uh, like to go with what our ideas are, but I, a lot of times I will find out that my assumptions are co- either completely wrong or only partially true. And there's always more to the story. And that's what curiosity does. It also feels really good to be on the receiving end of curiosity. And it allows me to feel valued and appreciated and seen as a person. And that leads to connection and relationship. So curiosity really opens the door to connection and certainty kind of shuts it. Yeah, one of my favorite books uh, about a couple of years ago was The Fearless Organization by Amy Edmondson. And she talked about the need to create psychological safety. That's what man- good managers do. And she basically suggested that the more curious you are, the more you create an environment of psychological safety, that that's actually, they kind of go hand in hand. Exactly. Her work yeah. is fundamental in that area. I highly recommend it. Yeah, she's great. She's great. So, you know, we're talking about Coach Henderson. I'm kind of curious what you think about Captain Henderson. So, you know, I give all right, I give Warren's credit. He was really working to kind of get us to the place of we want to be coaches. But I got to ask this question. And that is, is there a place for a Captain Henderson in the modern workplace? Should a manager on occasion put that captain suit on and be that person? What do you think? I think there are certain circumstances where you want to trigger someone's cortisol reflex to save their life and do the right thing. And that's if you're in a burning house or you're caught in crossfire. But in the modern workplace, I don't think there, there's a role for that at all. So um, I think Captain Henderson isn't direct and assertive, but Captain Henderson is aggressive and harsh. And Terry Real is an author and a psychotherapist who's basically on a mission to dismantle this patriarchal way of being harsh and aggressive and the toxic consequences of that. And then he, uh, I'm going to quote him, he says, there's nothing that harshness does that loving firmness doesn't do better. And I think that's really beautiful. And when we talk about Captain Henderson, I want to make it clear, we're not talking about Lawrence as a human. No, we're talking about the Captain Henderson who's out there who had that style. And it, it is quite ineffective in the modern workplace. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great, by the way, that quote is really quite beautiful. So um, any, they want to offer any final thoughts. You got a chance to listen to this clip. You might've got a chance to listen to the entire interview. Any other thoughts you want to share with us about uh, helping people stop finger pointing and taking accountability and responsibility? Yeah, I think managers can help with that quite a bit. You know, the, the coach approach that Lawrence is describing 
goes a long, long way in order to create that environment where it's easier to take accountability. So I think as managers, the first place we need to look when people are finger pointing is, is there anything that I'm doing or a tone I'm creating in the team that creates a condition where somebody needs to finger point? How am I being when people make mistakes? And then um, coaching that person, if there's nothing in the environment that it seems like that that would be something someone would have to do to preserve their safety, then coaching really is the way to go. Um, and I, what I like to call it is the creating a direct, honest, and kind culture. And the Dalai Lama says, uh, be kind whenever possible. It is always possible. And I really think that's true. Like we can tell the truth to people and that is helpful and beneficial. We can do that with a kind heart. And in my experience, people can hear almost anything if we say it with kindness. And I, I think that's what Lawrence was really getting at when he, I thought he was so brave to describe Captain Henderson for us and tell us about the ship that he's made and the vulnerability and courage to, to talk about that. He was telling truth with a kind and compassionate heart and can see the show. Yeah. You know, so I, maybe this is a great place uh, for us to think about ending the, uh, the podcast by saying. We're quoting the Dalai Lama, and that's a good thing. So, <laughs> hey, Jen, thank, thanks so much for joining us, debriefing what Lawrence had to say. And I'm confident the listeners have gathered some additional thoughts and ideas from you as well. So thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. It was a pleasure. Before we go, I'd like to offer some additional final thoughts from Lawrence. As I mentioned in the introduction, Lawrence is a faculty member at Morehouse College in Atlanta, a historical black college and university. I asked Lawrence what advice he might have for any of us who might have the privilege to hire and manage a young man from Morehouse. We'll leave you with Lawrence's thoughts. The, the one thing that any manager should do pulling in any uh, young professional or professional and uh, black men in particular is not to believe that all of our experiences are the same. We're not a monolith of each other. Uh, and, and an example of that is um, as as trainers and facilitators, and me and you have done learned leadership professional development, it's like being in a conversation with a group and you out loud assume because of the entire group, it's a group of engineers, that everybody's bad at relationships. Like, all right, I know you all as engineers, you don't, you don't like people, you like bots more than you like people. And that generalization can be offensive in that space of engineers. Like, no, I actually really love people leadership and coaching and all the rest of these things. So why would you assume that because of my engineering background? It, it's the same thing with black men and us as a culture to believe like our experiences, even Morehouse, these young men, have varying experiences that come from various backgrounds. And as a manager, treat them as the individual that's in front of you, not what they look like and where you believe they're from and what you know, what you know you may or think you may have seen on TV that can give you some insight to what you believe about this person. Create this opportunity for yourself to have a unique experience with that person which builds authenticity, with the, which builds a unique connection point for that young professional. And I'd say any manager, take the opportunity, give yourself uh, an opportunity to create a unique experience for that young professional, that young man that's sitting in front of you. Support for this podcast comes from NRECA, the National Trade Association representing America's electric cooperatives. 
Driven by member feedback and engagement, NRECA's mission is to be the trusted resource, champion the cause, and inspire the future of the industry.